In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the summer of 2010, I managed to find myself on what turned out to be the travel trip, the study tour of a lifetime. I was in England, Ireland, and Scotland with my parents, going to see as many of the most ancient Christian sites as we could find. And so there was this one place we walked into this church from the 7th century in northern England. And as I walked into those bare stone uh, structures and that particular one, I looked around me at all of the beauty. I was overwhelmed. And I managed to put down my sunglasses, my very expensive prescription sunglasses, in order to use both hands to take as many pictures as I could to try to capture that moment. And of course, it was not until we were several hours down the road, had seen many more sights, before I realized that I was missing my sunglasses and where I thought I had placed them was so far away that when I begged my travel companions to let us go back, and reclaim these very expensive glasses, they refused because it would have turned out that we would have lost too much time on our travels. Well, uh, I persisted, and they continued to say no. Um, sometimes I get a very clear sense of the things that I needed need to pursue in life, and this was something I felt like I needed to pursue. Uh, faith or confidence in a future reality causes us to do this, doesn't it? Or in the present reality, we have faith despite appearances. I believed I would get my glasses back somehow. And it turned out that a week later, I had forgotten almost about those glasses, but not quite. And I managed to be aware somehow of where we were traveling. I was looking at the road signs, and I noticed that we were somehow getting close to this ancient church again. And I said, stop, we are going back. We are getting my glasses back. And I don't know if they were impressed by my sense of direction or my persistence, but they agreed. And lo and behold, there were my sunglasses in the exact spot where I must have let them, left them the week before. My persistence paid off that time at least. Our gospel passage today depicts an utterly persistent plaintiff, a mother in distress who refuses to stand down even when Jesus himself discourages her from pursuing him. Hope deferred did not make her heart sick, or perhaps hope deferred made her heart so sick that she needed to go to the source. She believed that Jesus was the source, and she petitioned for the healing and that release from demon possession that her beloved daughter so desperately needed. Matthew tells us specifically that this Gentile woman was a Canaanite. He brushes off this archaic term and uses it in order to give theological significance to this woman's identity. Because not only was she not Jewish, not of the chosen people, but she is specifically identified with the pagan people group that was seen as being the sworn enemy of Israel. She is cut off from God, under judgment, passed over, 
rejected, and despised. And it's confusing because it appears as though Jesus is unusually harsh with her. We don't normally see Jesus refusing to heal people when they petition him like this. But as Jesus ignores her, her loud cries persist. And Jesus' disciples beg him to send her away. But then when Jesus speaks to her, even though his words are discouraging, somehow she persists in pursuing the healing that her daughter needs. She comes up, she kneels before Jesus, and she says, Lord, help me. Jesus' silence. And then his resistance would seem like an obstacle to her faith. But she is not deterred. The Canaanite woman continues doggedly on. She persists with great humility, even when Jesus emphasized her her perceived second-class status. She accepts that lower status. She goes low. Not even her pride will be an obstacle to her great faith. No, her faith is great, and it is noteworthy. Because of the object of her faith, Jesus Christ. She asserts her belief that Jesus' power is so great that there is more than enough of him to spare. That even after the children of Israel receive through him, she believes God has something for her. For a foreigner, she has remarkable insight into Jesus' identity as the Jewish Messiah the son of David. And she sees even into the promises that God made long ago to Abraham. Because in Genesis 12, God promised that through Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the world would be blessed. During the time of Moses, then the people understood, the people of Israel understood their calling. They understood that part of their chosenness by God meant that they would be a light for the nations that lived around them. That as they obeyed God's law, their righteousness would help other nations, their neighbors, to understand what God's character of holiness and mercy looks like. Well, we know the story. The people of Israel failed at this role. And you know, we would have failed too were we the chosen people. But one member of the house of Israel, one descendant of Abraham, lived so perfectly That he succeeded in revealing God's character of holiness and mercy to all the world. Jesus himself is the true Israel, the promised offspring of Abraham. And through him, all the nations of the world are blessed. And through faith in Jesus, then the promises of God that were made to Israel of old are promises that are for all people. For you and for me. Because as Paul says in Romans, all people, Jews and Gentiles, people of all sorts and types, have been disobedient. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. But God has mercy. He has mercy on all people because of Jesus' own obedience. His obedience to the point of death. 
the Canaanite woman somehow had faith that this was true, that God's promises were for her, too, even her. She was not deterred by the obstacles to this faith, even when they seemed to be coming from God himself, even when Jesus was silent, even when there appeared to be a frown on the face of Jesus. She knew God's heart. She knew his character of mercy, and she persisted in believing. And so Jesus commends her for this faith. He exclaims, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Now, if you're like me, you might not feel like you have the faith or the persistence of this Canaanite woman. You might have begun to think that God does not really hear your cry or that he does not understand or know about your situation. But let me tell you, the faith of this woman in Matthew's gospel is not some kind of holy religious piety. She is so far from being calm, cool, and collected, isn't she? No, her faith is rough and ragged. Do you hear her voice calling out with a crack in it? Her faith reeks of sweaty desperation. And this desperation drives her. It makes her so that she is not shy, that she actually comes boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy in her time of need. It helps me when I am overwhelmed by the depth of my own spiritual and material need to remember that faith is not a work. Faith is more like being at the end of your rope. But perhaps you feel less desperate or less bold. Maybe you feel as though the promise of God is not for you. As though you don't need it, as though things are not that bad yet, as though you can still manage to get by. Or maybe you feel as though you don't deserve it. As though there's something you've done that places you so far out of the reach of God's mercy that his promise is not for you. Well, that's not true. I've experienced a certain social phenomenon, and maybe you've experienced it too. Sometimes when I find myself in a crowd of people or a group of people that I know or some people that I know well and some people that I don't know well, invariably, and this has happened in the past, obviously, someone will wave really excitedly, really joyfully, right towards me. And I just have, in the past, waved right back. Great. I'm nearer their enthusiasm. I'm joy- joyful, so glad that they're glad to see me. I'm glad to see them too. And have you ever had this happen to you where you waved back and then you realized that wave was not for you? It was for someone behind you? And so you feel sheepish. You feel embarrassed. Um, and uh, so what has happened to me is that because I've done that enough times, uh, I've become a little bit of a social pessimist. So now, if someone waves at me in, a, in public, in a crowd, uh, I restrain myself by telling myself, I say to myself under my breath, Deborah, that is not for you. They are not waving at you. Don't look. They're not waving at you. And then if they persist, then I, before I wave back, I look behind me to make sure that there's really no one back there that they're actually waving at. And then even then, once I even know it's for me, I still sort of in shock. And I'll gently wave, but not as enthusiastic as I once did, because I don't feel worthy 
of that wave. I don't feel worthy of that joy and that enthusiasm. I don't feel worthy of that love. And I want to make darn sure I don't make a fool out of myself again. So have you been burned? Have you been disappointed by unanswered prayer? Have you thought that maybe God doesn't care about you? Or that you don't deserve his notice or his promises? Have you thought that there was no way that he could be for you? Especially after you know you did what you did. Have you thought there's no way that this joy and this forgiveness could be for me? Well, in Jesus, God's promises are for you. In Jesus, God offers you forgiveness of your sins, healing for your broken heart, restoration of the relationships that have long grown cold, and even redemption of all of those years of hard living. And finally, at the last day, God offers you resurrection for your bones. God's promises in Jesus Christ are for you. And you might say, who me? And look behind you. But God says, yes, you. God invites us to claim these promises with humility, persistence, and faith. He invites us to trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we call out with that Canaanite woman, have mercy upon me, O Lord, son of David. That cry, Kyrie eleison, is the cry of the faithful, the cry of the desperate, the cry of those who have died to their own self-sufficiency and pride. We say again the words that we say every week in our prayers. Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, knowing and trusting that God's property is always to have mercy. God's promises are for you. Yes, you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you promised that you would not snuff out the smoldering wick or break the bruised reed. As we come to you this morning, would you cast out our fears, strengthen our faith, and give us that holy confidence that all God's promises are for us because of your cross and your resurrection. Amen.